Hello lovely mums. I hope that you're all having a wonderful week so far. I'm Christy Buss and apart from trying to keep myself sane parenting three very busy young children, I coach mums, I'm an entrepreneur and very excitingly I'm now the host of this brand new podcast, the Healthier Happier Mum podcast. I feel honoured to get to bring together powerful and extremely knowledgeable guests for weekly conversations on various health, wellness and parenting topics so that we all get to learn how to become exactly the parent and also the person that we want to be in this world with information, skills and a mindset that really supports you. I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful that you're here listening in. Thank you. Now let's get started. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Parent Hub for an interview that we haven't done for a very long time. This morning is an interview that I'm really, really excited about, and it's with one of the local principals from Fisher Primary School, and we have (laughs) Stephanie McDonald. Stephanie, welcome, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Stephanie, the first question, and I ask this to every person that I interview, is what is something that you wish that every mum knew? There's so many things. But you know what? What would have helped me when I was a young mom would have been if someone told me, listen, you're not superwoman. You don't have to know it all. You will drop the ball sometimes. You will make mistakes. You will say something wrong. But as long as you care and you love your child and you're trying your best, that's good enough. You on forgive yourself because we're very harsh on ourselves as young moms. We really are. And yeah, just actually and have fun with your children and just be there for them. That's all they want. They really, they don't want perfection. They want a mom. I love that answer because on a, I just missed my son's sports day because I had to work and he won his race and my husband sent a photo and I was just feeling so much guilt, so much guilt. No. So what you're saying like just speaks directly to me. I have goosebumps. So thank you. It's, okay, so yeah. big, big question. And this covered almost 30% of the questions, the topic of bullying. And I think from both sides, this is really important. From a mum whose child is bullied and a mum who maybe has a child who is a bully, how do you as a school deal with the bully Um, and how do you deal with the kids that are bullied and any advice that you have for mums on this topic? The first thing is, is we have to know what the difference is between bullying and just being mean and hurtful and also accidental because bullying is not a once-off episode. Bullying is continuous. If someone does it to your child on a continuous basis, that is bullying. And both must be dealt with absolutely immediately. Also, I would tell all moms and, and dads as well, report it. Tell someone. A school cannot act and and help the situation if they don't know about it. So tell someone. I really pride I'm proud of Fisher Primary School, school with, for the fact that we deal with it as soon as we hear about it, we deal with it immediately on that day. And with the child that's being bullied, if it's bullying, and the child that is bullying, both of them need intervention. Um, both of them will need counselling. So for the bullied child, you actually have to chat to the child, make sure that the child knows that you are hearing him, 
that there's someone listening to him or her, and that they, that we will make school a safe place. All children must know that we are there for everybody. The school must be a safe place for them. You Can you imagine coming to school and feeling unsafe? That must be horrible. horrible. So school is a safe place. The child as well, and, put, and, and give the child counselling or put procedures in place to assist the child and give him the skills to deal with it. Uh, often with the younger ones, listen, I'm going to give you a whistle for around your neck. If you ever feel that this child is coming for you or that he's going to hurt you, all you do is blow that whistle and everyone will look and see what's going on. And they don't even have to blow that whistle. They just feel safe with it around their necks. And then the very next day, then they don't even wear the whistle. It's just that empowerment that they've got that, yes, I can do something about it. Um, I can report it. I can run up and tell an adult. Um, with the bullying child, with the child that is doing the bullying, there's 99.9% there's a reason for that as well. There's an underlying reason for that as well. And that's sometimes harder to get to find out exactly what it is. But that's we've got a counsellor at school as well. Um, and she will see the child and we will call in the parents and discuss it as a group because we're here as for the child um, and then deal with that child as well. Be it that he feels unsafe at home or she feels unsafe at home or is being hurt at home and then they come to school and feel, oh, now I can hurt someone else because it makes me feel a bit better about myself. So both sides will have to be addressed. Both children will have to be addressed. And the child who is bullying must realize what he is doing to the other person. They must feel, they must really feel that it's not on. It's not okay to do that. It doesn't help him or her in any way. So both sides must be addressed and also both parents must know about it. And that's our rule. And give boundaries. They know these are the boundaries. If you overstep those boundaries, there are consequences. And and we we really try and do that and do restorative discipline. And it seems to be working. It really is. Amazing. Could you explain what is, and this was also one of the questions, so I think this probably goes into that quite well. What is restorative discipline? And you know what? what is your discipline strategy at school? Yes. You know what? Restorative discipline, and they've got all these fancy words, but really, actually, what it is, in my view, okay, is talking to the children, chatting to them, getting to face to face. They must look you in the eye and be calm and, and feel safe and chat to them. Find out a little bit more about them. What makes them tick? What? Why did they act up like that? What happened? And often when you take the time to listen to them, you'll find out why they acted that way. And it's so easy then to rectify the situation. It really is. And then give them the skills. Do the EQ with them because we've got a, a, the, our counselor does EQ with the children as well. Chat to them. Give them the skills to deal with situations. That is what I see as restorative discipline. Don't go... Dis uh, detention on a Friday doesn't help. It means nothing, absolutely nothing. You have the same children sitting in detention week after week after week. For years now, we haven't had it. It's just a pain. But um, but chatting to them, it you can see that 
look in their eyes where they actually just think someone is actually listening to me yeah. and I can open up and then they come back and, and get the parents involved as well that they know that the school and the parents are working together as a unit for them you know what I mean not for anybody else they are important yeah I love that Stephanie and I mean that's a very forward-thinking approach particularly for a whole school, because it's not always easy to move away from that very punishment. And I love your emphasis on safety as well. And that's something that I yeah. teach a lot to, to parents as a yeah. parenting coach, is that our children, when they don't feel safe, whether you're shouting at them or disciplining them or threatening to smack them or threatening for detention, they're using a different part of their brains that, that they're not mm-hmm. learning. And so even in the case, and I love what you're saying, even in the case of the person that is bullying, there is so often an underlying need. There's so often their behavior is a survival strategy. So I love that you're dealing with it from from both sides. That's really, really well done and amazing. really it is working it really is working next question i i feel like parents are are becoming way more aware there's that analogy of putting a a round peg into a square hole where my generation growing up it was very much like you're normal be normal 
let's all be normal and fit normally. And parents do want more differentiation. And there is a lot more emphasis on neurodiversity of kids with different skill sets, different, maybe high IQ, low EQ. How do you deal with with so many different skill sets, characters, so many different talents in one class? It's so funny because I've been teaching for so long now. And I know in the beginning when I started off, it's, it's like a one size fits all kind of thing. Um, And it's not like that at all. We even have to, to explain it sometimes to parents who come here to say, I hated school. And and I want to say, it's not like that anymore. You know, we here for every single type of child. So in a big school and in a big class daily, it is difficult. It is difficult for the teacher to accommodate absolutely everybody. But you have to actually put procedures and practices in place in your class. So, for instance, if it's a big class and you want to teach a concept or whatever, be aware of the different learning styles of of the children and try and accommodate giving the information where they can whether it's auditory visual tactile or whatever bring that across build it in into your lessons as well and then very important it's teaching in ability groups as well so you do your lesson you know you incorporate all those different learning styles and then pull them out teach in groups because then the child also doesn't feel that they're drowning. They're mm. with the ability group and they can ask questions. They feel quite free to ask questions as well. We also give extra lessons to the children who are struggling as well and remedial lessons and, and a, a lot of pull-out systems where we see this child is struggling with this concept, pull them out, sit in the passage, play a game, do those kind of things. We've got a school-based support team with our remedial teacher and some other teachers involved with our counsellor. And then what the teachers do is if they're concerned about a child and see and they might suspect that the child's got dyslexia or Asperger's or or anything like that or, or, or some problem, even emotional, they'd go and discuss it with the team and then they then they either do an individual plan an individual learning program for the child or they put interventions um, and accommodations in place for the child so that we, even though it is a big school, even though the big classes are big, that each child is seen and seen to. So if they can't see properly, give them a light box, make the worksheets bigger, those kind of things. Go back to basics. Do the basics well. Let Do a lot of practical teaching as well, because most children love that where you can touch and feel and smell and actually do it if you teach fractions cut up a pizza let them eat a quarter of a pizza or an eighth or whatever so those kind of things we do have we also have reading parents who come in and they read with the children with some children in groups as well because not all moms do do the reading at home they're so busy the kids miss out on that And we also have tutoring, which is so, I get goosebumps when I walk into the library and I watch it, where the grade six and seven learners, we choose them, they tutor the younger learners every day after school. It's amazing. Um, That's that's teaching both, the the people that are teaching and the people that are 
teaching. Yes, and it builds a relationship between an older child and a younger one. You know what I mean? So they they giggle and laugh and they say, oh, yeah, I also struggled with this. Da, 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 and they, they, they've got a program that they follow. The, the remedial teachers actually put a program that they follow every day. And it, it works amazingly. I mean, the high school has now shown interest. They've got children who will come here and tutor the grade six and sevens. So that also works as well. So we have got a lot of systems in place to help the, the children. And also with staff development, we're going to concentrate a lot on that this year, how to deal with a child that is that's on the spectrum of that has autism, or how to deal how to deal with handling them. That's the square peg in a round hole. And why don't schools separate kids into different classes based on their capacity or, or their abilities? You know what? It would be easier to do. It's we called it. We used to call it streaming. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't want to label a child. They quickly find out. Uh, mm -hmm. I am in the third class or the fourth class. It must be the dumb class, and you don't want that ever to happen. You know. So, and and also they peer they peer learn as well. So if one child doesn't understand a math concept, then his friend can teach him in a different way than what the teacher can. Mm. And they often get it. And sometimes a child is so strong in maths, but very weak in literacy. So that makes it quite difficult. Okay. Interesting. Helicopter parents. This came up quite a bit as mums that we know our children best. Um, and schools feel like often they know how to teach children best or how to deal with children best. What are your thoughts on helicopter parenting, the parents that really want to get involved? Yeah. Okay. Now, this is the old mom and me speaking, okay? Yes. <laughs> I totally understand helicopter parenting or why someone would want to do it mm -hmm. because you want to keep your child safe you you want to make it easy for your child because life is not easy either yeah and you want to protect your baby especially in yeah. the beginning you really do but in hindsight you missed a golden opportunity to let him learn a valuable lesson to say it's your responsibility my love not mine and that is what how i feel about the helicopter parenting as well i truly believe that you have to be your child's safety net from the bottom, okay, behind your child. If you're the helicopter parent, you stop them from flying and soaring because you're hovering above them, you're solving everything for your child, preventing them to learn skills, to develop themselves, to be independent. Be the safety net at the bottom. And when your child falls, you are there to help them back up again so that they can soar and they can fly because that's what you want for your children, the independence. So I really strongly believe in that. Even as an adult, if you know that your, your parents are there, they're your safety net, you might never want to use your safety net, but it gives you that confidence to tackle new things, to try new things, to to get that independence and that feeling of self-worth that I can do it by myself. I didn't need someone to intervene. Mm. Um, I strongly believe in that. And teachers are here for the children. 
They really do know. They've been doing it for years and years and years and years and years. So trust them as well. Yeah. But yes. work together with a teacher. Amazing. There's a saying that I say, know when they need a pushin and know when they need a cushion. And it's that saying exactly. that you know, sometimes when sometimes they need to be pushed a bit and and sometimes they need just that that cushion. It's so true. You know, they can... But they don't need the pushing from above. Forward. <laughs> Last question before we head into the quick questions. What makes Fisher Primary special? Okay. <laughs> I love Fisher Primary. I've been here now for over 25 years. My kids went through the system. And I truly believe that we cater for the whole child. I always say to new parents or prospective parents, there are three things to look for in a school. Solid academics, really solid academics. A sport. They have to take part in a, in a team sport so that they can learn how to lose and win with dignity. That's that. an important learn how to life. lose with dignity, not blame yes. everyone. Oh, but because da da da. What a skill. And also, yes, yes, and very hard to learn for children. And also, how to stand up in front of a group of people and voice your opinion clearly. So that's where the culture side comes in. Because they're going to need that as adults as well. You know, you have to learn how to speak up for yourself. And I really feel that Fisher caters for in all those areas. They give the children the opportunities to do all of that. They do stand up in front of the hall and assembly. They need to do a sport, summer sport and winter sport. And they need to do the academics well. That's important. And uh, yeah, I... You know what? We're a happy school. You walk in here and you feel it. You can hear people laughing. I love it. I absolutely love Fisher Primary. And I always say to parents, and this is also for young parents, don't listen to stories. Don't listen to the car park moms or whatever, or at tea parties. Go, if you are going to choose a school, go to the school. Go and visit, even if it's not an open day, because then it's e easily to window dress. Go to a school and get that gut feel. Will I feel safe and or will I feel happy with leaving my child in the school's care? Um, to me, that is the most important. Are the children happy? Can you see the staff walking around and they're smiling? That kind of thing. That to me is important. And that's why I think Fish Hook is wonderful. <laughs> I'm going to ask one, one, one more question just based on what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, anytime. I think... Parents do talk, and you're right. There is a lot of that, like car park chit chatter. So this is going to be a very difficult question. But what is the criticism that that Fisher Primary gets? Um, and and if you if you want to kind of address that for everybody, what is what is the chit chat that you hear that you wish didn't happen because it's not true, or maybe it is true and you're working on it? Yeah, I, you know. And I don't want to get too blasé and then tomorrow we get, or Monday we get a whole lot of things. It's been so calm and quiet and not a lot of issues. If parents do have, because nothing's perfect. If anyone says that this school is perfect, they are lying. Really, they are. No school is perfect, like no household is perfect. So sometimes it's seasonal, you know. It happens like when it's swimming, then it's, oh, my child didn't make the swimming team, you know what I mean? Or, oh, uh, it's those kind of things. So, okay. but 
we haven't had a lot of issues. No, no, we, we, and if we do, we deal with it immediately. You can ask absolutely anyone. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Is healthy eating promoted at your school? Yes. We don't have sweets or anything at our tuck shop either. Oh, amazing. It's healthy food. Yeah. And we let up until grade three, the children eat in the class where the teacher can check as well and see what the children are eating as well as who does not have any lunch. Um, because sometimes they're too embarrassed the kids to say anything. So you check and then we make sure that they get a sandwich and an apple. And in the mornings they can go for a little bit of porridge as well. Do you have aftercare facilities? Yes, we've got early morning care in the mornings. That's free of charge from quarter past seven. And then aftercare every single day where they get a cooked lunch and their homework gets done. Except reading, I've said no for reading because I think that that's a special time for bonding with their mom. Oh, that's you, really nice. Yeah, you have to read with your child. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to. And yeah. how many pupils per class? You know what? It differs. It can be from 28 up until, well, the department makes it 34, but that's a lot of children. So we say 32. Okay. And then last question, and I know that this is also staggered as, as the grades, I think, go up, but what's the cost of your school? I'm going to give you the amount for over 10 months. Okay, Perfect. so we pay per month. So it's for 10 months. Pre-R is 3,647. For grade R, it's over 10 months. Um, per month, 3,937. And then for grade 1 to 7, it's 2,975. Um, but that is all camps included, all um, books, workbooks included, all outings included. So the parents don't have to do that. It's There's no extra cost for those things. Tours, four tours, we ask for extra yeah. costs. But camps, outings, uh, all those kind of things, no. Amazing. Stephanie, yeah. thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on here, for answering all the really yeah. hard questions that mums have. Um, and yeah, reassuring us that our children at your school are safe and happy and loved. Yeah. I feel like they're they're very loved at your school. Yes, they are. <laughs> they really will be, yes. Thank you. And thank you for giving me this opportunity. Really, Amazing. thanks. Awesome, anytime. Hope to connect with you soon. And to the mums of the Parent Hub, I hope that this was useful and that you make a decision wisely as you're choosing to, yeah. to your grade R or your grade one, or maybe you're thinking of, of moving your child in a later grade. Make the decision wisely. And like Stephanie said, I think there's no, no better, better way to go to the school, have a look around, see the parents, see the teachers, see the children, yeah. and see what kind yeah. of school it is. Thank you, Stephanie. We'll chat soon. Okay, thank you. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode. If you liked it, please subscribe. Your support means the absolute world to me. If you have any ideas on future guests and topics you would like to hear about, please let me know. All the health and happiness to you, my friends. See you next week.